Good morning, Christ's Covenant. My name is Gretchen Sapples, and today's reading will be in Galatians 1 through 10. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to, bo be, to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The word of the Lord. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. Um, I... Uh, as so many of you know, have been away. We, we uh, got, I got sick, our family got sick with COVID-19, obviously didn't want to be a part of a super spreading event. So we were not here, but uh, really grateful to be with you today. And uh, man, it's just, I've not been to a worship service here yet. And uh, it's, it's awesome to be together worshiping the Lord. It was great to have our kids in here singing along with us today. And um, it just brings back a lot of memories for me. And particularly just as we think about the church and parenting today, it's hard for me to think about my childhood uh, without thinking about my experience in church and so many of the people that loved me in church and so many people that were around me in church. Uh, you know, Paige and I talk a lot about just the realities that so many kids have of fatherlessness, of not having uh, you know, a father in the home. And, and we talk a lot about the reasons for that and the effects of that. Uh, and I almost feel guilty thinking about that because first of all, I had such a great earthly father, but, but secondly, I had so many fathers and mothers and sisters and aunts and grandmothers in the faith in my local church. Third grade Sunday school teacher was a lady named Jane Shikursky and she prayed for me every day before she would teach the Bible to me on Sunday in third grade. I mean, what an amazing investment for a little kid to have. When I was in sixth grade, some of you all have heard this, I got a youth group for our little like sixth grade boys. Peter was a guy named Jim Spann. He had like long flowing, you know, kind of 80s, though this was the early 90s hair. Um, when we first started together when I was in sixth grade and he led our little group of boys from sixth grade all the way through 12th grade, okay? Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, he would invest into us. Every time he would go on a trip, he traveled a lot with work. I mean, this is, he was actually a rocket scientist, okay? So he worked for NASA. He would go to DC a lot. Every time he traveled for work, he would write us a postcard that said, just want you to know, I prayed for you today. That was an incredible investment. He, he, he bared with us little boys for seven years. Uh, by the time we actually graduated high school, he was bald. So he, it, 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 took, it took its toll on Mr. Spann. But 
I didn't just have Mr. Spain. There was, a, there was a host of men around that were fathers to me. Mr. Beal, Mr. Brown, there was one guy that was named, we just called him Ranger Joe. His actual real name was Scott Thomason. But to us, <laughs> to us, we called him Ranger Joe. And he went by that for all those years. He was a father to us. And so, yes, I'm so grateful for my earthly father, but I'm so grateful for all the fathers and mothers that I had as a child. Two weeks ago, we started the series on parenting. Uh, Lou did a wonderful job teaching last week. I used scriptures uh, in your parenting, but two weeks ago, I talked about, kind of going in and out, you want me to use this? Can I just use my actual voice? Is that gonna work? Oh, live stream, okay. I always feel like uh, such a like rock star preacher with a handheld mic, so this is not my, this is not my typical. But anyway, I'll, I'll bear, y'all bear with me. Um, so where was I? Oh, two weeks ago. So we started a sermon series on parenting, and I talked about the goal of parenting. And the goal of parenting is actually to set your children free, right? It's not to keep them bound up forever. It's to set them free, but only to set them free in the spirit of Christ. If they're free in the spirit, if, if, if they're free with the spirit of God dwelling inside of them, then they won't gratify the desires of the flesh. The, the law will go from something that is external to something that is internal. And, and this is a massive, incredible responsibility for parents. But the good news, and this is what I'm excited to talk to you today about, the good news is that we don't have to do this by ourselves. In fact, this is a burden that we actually as a church are called to bear together. We're called to bear with one another. And so I, I wanna look at the passage. There's three things. I'm gonna go ahead and... There's three things that we see in the passage. The first is a help for parents. There's a help for parents in this passage. Now this, of course, passage is not particularly about parenting, but it has a lot to say to parents. So there's a help for parents, there's a warning for parents, or a warning to parents, and there's an encouragement for parents. So a help for parents. There is, if you are a parent, or if you want to be a parent, or if you're just a part of a church, there's a great help for you in this. First of all, it says, verse one, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Now, this verse is particularly about discipline in the local church, the accountability that we have in the local church, that, that we're watching out for one another, we're restoring one another, we're helping one another grow in Christ. But there's some assumption here. There is an assumption in this passage that we are not called to an isolated kind of Christianity, rather a communal Christianity, right? There is a one anotherness in this. There's also an assumption that there is going to be sin in the community, right? So we, we just need to assume that. Christ's covenant, there's going to, we're, we're gonna fall, we're gonna fail one another. We're going to sin, we're going to need to be restored. There's also an assumption in this that no one is above that, right? Watch over yourselves, lest you too be tempted. You who are spiritual, watch over yourselves. This is a warning to people like me. This is a warning to elders and pastors and group leaders. This is a warning to everyone. 
We are a communal people, there's an assumption. There's an assumption there's going to be sin in the body, and there's an assumption that this is true for everyone. Now, this is interesting because what we see in this passage, this gentle and humble restoration of the fallen brother or sister is so different than what we normally see in the world. What you normally see in the world is when you are wealthy, people come near. When you're powerful, people come near. When you have a good reputation, people come near. People commune with you. People draw towards you. That's what we normally see in the world. This passage assumes that in the body of Christ, in the church, the times of most humble and gentle and close communion are those when you're the most weak, are those when you've actually failed are those when you have blown it. This actually is assuming that in those moments, that's when the church will be close. That's when your brothers and sisters will be near and near in a humble and restorative kind of way. Not in a, not, not, not in a you know, praising of sin kind of way. There's still, there's obviously an implication toward correction here, but it's a humble and gentle kind of correction. And the reason that, that that is the way that the church operates is because that is what the way that our Lord operates. This is who Jesus is. I, I bet you if I went around and asked you, when are the times in your life when you've been most intimate with the Lord, when you've really sought out the Lord and really found him in the most intimate way? And you know what? I bet you you'd say, you'd say in the times where I really was most aware of my own sin. In the times when I really was aware that I had blown it, that I had messed up, that I was not independent, that I was, an, in fact, a very dependent kind of person. And, you know, this is true for parents, too. And I want you to hear this as parents. It is very easy, especially for Christian parents, right? Especially for Christian parents, to find your identity in the behavior, the good behavior of your children, if you can raise a child that gets into a good college, that every other kid looks up to, that has a good name for themselves, if you can raise a child that, you know, is respectable and doesn't do those sins like those other kids do, then you must be special. You must have made it. And there's a great temptation among parents. I want you to hear this. Here's a warning. And this is true for you who aren't yet parents. Watch out for this temptation, especially in Christianity to find some sort of an identity in how good of a job you're doing as a parent. And because of this, the temptation is to hide. When times get hard, when your kid is messing up, when your child is not behaving, when your child's not making good grades, when you actually need the church, when you need the body of Christ to come around you and encourage you and help you and, and maybe correct you, those are the times when I see Christian families the most isolated. This is not the assumption of this text. It's not the assumption of how the church should operate. Look at verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is an other's bearing law. Again, it assumes most of the time when you have something to gain, you run in, and when you have something to lose, you run out. 
right? That's the way most of the time we operate. The law of Christ assumes that when there is something to lose, you run in. When you have something to give, you run in. Not just when you have something to gain, because this is what Jesus has done for us. This is, this is who Jesus is like. Now, verse four and five, if, you're, if you read this text or when the text was being read, when Gretchen was reading the text, if you, I hope you caught verse four and five, and I hope you kind of asked yourself, huh, or you kind of said to yourself, huh, what's going on in verse four and five? Verse two, we read, bear one another's burdens, right? Verse four and five, you read, let's put it up here real quick. You read, you have, each one has his own burden to bear. Let each one test his own worth and his reason to boast will be in himself alone, for each one will have to bear his own load. So, you know, some of you may be new to Christianity, skeptical of the scripture, you may be saying, hold on. This is why the Bible is so strange. In verse 2, it said bear one another's burdens. Here it's saying you have to bear which one is it. Well, this is where a little knowledge of the the Greek language, the language the Bible was written in or this was written in is is super helpful. And actually, I think this passage becomes all the more helpful when you understand that. In verse 2, the word for bear is bare. It's the Greek bare. Uh, In verse 5, the word for bear is fortion, fortion. I like that word. Let's say that together. Fortion. I didn't quite know how to say this word, I'll be honest. And so I had to like get on YouTube and the guy was like, fortion, fortion. So, okay. So, bare and fortion. So, bare is a heavy load. It's, It's the implication here is a load that you cannot bear by yourself, right? For Dion is, the, the, the connotation is like a soldier's backpack, right? So all of the soldiers are on a mission, right? They've got to go take the hill or whatever it is. They can't bear that alone. But each of the soldiers has to carry his own backpack. Each of the soldiers has to carry his own water bottle. Each of the soldiers has a portion, a portion of this load that they are responsible to carry. And I think this is so helpful. This is where the Bible actually is so incredibly balanced and helpful. Parents, hear this. You have a portion in parenting. In fact, God has entrusted you. If God has given you children, That's not someone else's primary responsibility. No, that is your primary responsibility. You parents primarily have the fortion, have the load, have the responsibility of training up your child in the way they should go, of discipling them to know and to love the Lord. That's not something that you can solely pawn off to the church. That's not something that you can solely pawn off to a Christian school, right? That is a that is a responsibility, that is a load that God has called you as a parent to bear. Here's God's plan. We're going to look at this verse. Lou mentioned it last week. It's a very foundational kind of parenting verse, but Deuteronomy 6, we're going to look at it in a few weeks. God is giving the law to Israel. He is saying to the people of Israel, you are going to be my people. You are going to represent me on earth. You are going to be the ones that through whom my glory, my holiness is known And so he begins to give them the law and 
Deuteronomy 6, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your, whole, with all your heart and all your soul. This is the foundational law. With all your might. And these words, this, this way, my character, my culture, is they shall be on your heart, right? So God is saying, how am I going to be known on earth? How is my glory going to be known? How, is, how am I going to be known? I'm going to be known through a people. And I'm going to be known through this people when they know my word, when they follow my way. But then the very next thing that he says, how is this going to continue? How is this going to go beyond one generation? How is this going to grow from generation to generation? Verse 7, you shall teach these words them diligently. Teach the word of God. Teach, teach my way. Teach my holiness. Teach it diligently. Teach the story of my salvation and my glory diligently to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and walk by the way and lie down. And when you rise, bind them as a sign on your hand. Put them as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The word of God shall be in your heart, that's how the glory of God's going to be known on earth if you are in Christ. But what is this fortion that God has given to you, particularly as parents? It's to all the time, all the time around your gates and your door frames, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing to teach these words, to pass off this faith to the next generation. God has entrusted you as parents you as future parents with this fortion. Now, here's the deal. Your kids, I want you to hear this. Your kids will reflect you. What you value and what is seen to be valued in your household is what your children will value. She didn't know that. I, I use this little uh, app to keep up with old college buddies and different friend groups called Marco Polo. I don't know if any of y'all use it. I know I sound like a millennial, which I am technically a millennial. I'm married to a Gen Xer, but I am a millennial. Just want to get that clear. But anyway, um, I, uh, uh, I use this little Marco Polo app and I talk with my friends from college and it's a good way to keep up with people that live in different places. Anyway, we've been having this debate. Maybe y'all can help us settle it. We've been having this big debate. What is the greater sport, soccer or baseball, okay? Soccer or baseball, there's a lot of, some of the guys, you know, they're more with the way of the future. They think soccer is gonna take over baseball. Some people think, you know, baseball's the greater. What do you think? Okay, who, who would say soccer is the greater sport? All right, who would say baseball? Oof, soccer's got a lot of work to do in America, I guess. But anyway, so we've been having this debate about which is the greater sport. But what's been funny about the, the debate, the conversation, it's a little video chat. And whenever these guys are talking, the ones that are supporting soccer, the, soccer's the better sport for this reason, this reason, this reason. Well, in a lot of the videos, their sons are also in the video. And their sons are in the background saying, yeah, of course soccer's better, da 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 da, da. And like the soccer guys, their kids even like look like soccer players, right? Yeah. They even have like the soccer player look about him. And then, you know, when my, the buddy that was kind of really supporting baseball, his son would be in the background. He like looks like he's going to be a major league pitcher someday. Just looks like a baseball player. And they're kind of in the background. Why is that? Why, why do their sons believe as they believe? 
Because in, in this house, soccer is valued. And in this house, baseball is valued. And those values are reflected. And that is so true. You know, some of your house's education is valued. You value education. Education will be valued by your kids. They'll know that that's a value. Some of it, you, there may be some other hobby or some other thing or whatever it is. But your kids will reflect what you value. And, and I just want to ask you this question. Are you valuing this? Are you taking the fortion of passing your faith off to the next generation seriously? What do your children observe in your home? What do they see you valuing? Do they see you valuing the Word of God? Is the Word of God on your heart? Do they see, what do they see you showing interest in? What do they see you spending your money and your time? What are you most passionate about in the home? What are you most passionate about that they be passionate about? You know, I said this a few weeks ago in the video, but I mean, I know a lot of parents that would never let their children show up to school without doing homework, but they'll blow off Bible reading like it's nothing. I know a lot of parents that, you know, you'd never miss a, a, a sports tournament of some sort, but man, you'll blow off the things of the Lord like that. What do your children see in you that is most important? What values are they going to reflect? This is your fortion. But look, I, wanted, I want you to hear this. This is not just a fortion, it's, it's also a barre, right? The responsibility to pass off your faith, to, to parent a child, if you're a parent like me, you know this is, not, this is not a knapsack. This is overwhelming. I can't do this by myself. And, and here's the good news. Here's the help. You're not called to do it by yourself. God in his design has called us together toward one another. This is one of these burdens that, yes, we have a responsibility to bear primarily, but we have a responsibility to bear it together. And one of the reasons that we named our church Christ Covenant, um, one of the reasons was we didn't want to, like, in 10 years be like, oh, my gosh, what were we thinking, you know? There was a lot of churches called, like, Explosion Church or movement church or whatever and we didn't want like a church that sounded like a youth group name no offense to anybody but we wanted something that felt old you know like in 10 years we'll be like okay we weren't stupid then um again no offense you know to anyone but um but the the real reason that we named our church christ covenant is that christ covenant actually meant something right Christ, <laughs> covenant, right? We, we wanted to be a church that was centered on Christ and centered on his gospel. When the gospel is rightly understood, it changes everything about you. But we, we also wanted to be a covenant community. Do you know what that means? That means people that actually feel connected to one another, that, that actually are committed to one another, that don't just peace out when times get hard that don't kind of pull away when there's nothing to gain. We wanted to be the kind of community that would bear one another's burdens. Why? Because this is actually the law of Christ. This is the way of Christ. This is what Jesus has called us to. 
And I want to tell you this. You know, I had a lot of parents in the faith, fathers in the faith, as I mentioned, mothers in the faith. But man, I am so overwhelmed as a parent all the time. I need so many of the people in the church. Like right now, I am so grateful, uh, you know, for people like Matt Nolan and Abby Montgomery and our Christ Covenant Kids team that are discipling and making the Bible come to life of our kids. For those of y'all that were members during like the height of the quarantine, how great was it when one of those boxes would show up at your house and you're like, okay, finally I can like a little help, a little burden bearing has been taken off my plate. They do such a great job. You know, I need, I need young adults, like, like people like Murray Gray, right? Murray Gray is like 26, 27 year old guy, no kids, single guy. And you know what he does? He volunteers at Covenant Kids. He loves my kids. My kids love him. And I'm so grateful for that. They, they have a vision now of, okay, when I'm in my 20s, I can follow Jesus. So grateful for that. So grateful for people like Ed and Jan Butler. Uh, Ed's right over here. You know, neither Paige or my parents live in this area. And, but man, my kids can come to church every week and see Ed and Jan, who are my parents' age, and get a vision for, okay, this is what godliness looks like. This is what, this is what a godly you know, man that's a granddad, this is what it looks like on a weekly basis. Man, I need that. So grateful for those of you that are in this parenting battle with us. We need one another. Bear one another's burdens. I, I, we so desire this to be a covenant community and fulfill the law of Christ together. This is a help. We all have a Fort Dion, right? I have a responsibility. I'm not going to neglect that. But man, this parenting thing is such a barre that I need you. And you know what? You need me. We need one another. The second thing we see in this passage, though, we see a great help. We also see a warning. Look at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. As I was just saying, you are sowing something. It may be a love for soccer. It may be a love for school. It may be a good work ethic. Those are all good things to sow. You may be sowing some bad habits. You may be sowing some good habits, but... Have you ever thought about what you are sowing? And are you really sowing into your children what you ultimately value? You know, Blake and I had a good buddy that died about a month ago. And um, I loved this guy. His name was John Powell. And he was a pastor out in Texas. And the thing that I love about John is he was so intentional. This is a guy that was intentional. He was the kind of guy that wrote letters and gave great gifts. He just, he would think ahead about things. And it was a huge loss for us to lose him. But a lot of his buddies have been kind of going through some of his notes and things in his death. And one of my buddies came up with this the other day, and it was John Powell's list of how to be a Powell, okay? So this guy had sat down and written out, like, things that he wanted to teach his kids at particular ages, things that he expected from his kids at particular ages. And he went all the way through like 18. And, you know, so here's, here's an example. Age three, they should be able to shower by themselves. Should be able to shake hands, okay? So he's got a little milestone here. By age three, he wants his kids to be able to shake a hand. 
Um, age four, one of the things he has is keep a secret, right? Kids should be able to know how to keep a secret. It's a good thing to know. Uh, by age five, they should be able to tie their shoes. By age five, they should have spent the night outside. They should be able to dial 911. By age six, they should have driven some motorized something. He said this, the most important thing to know in driving is how to stop. Whether it's a golf cart, go-kart, four-wheeler, snowmobile, or something else, the kids should be able to demonstrate control of the device and functioning with safety and responsibility. Is Blake here? Isn't that like such a John Powell sentence? Um, so anyway, he went all the way through, and I love this. You know what, you know what this means? You know what this is? This is a guy that's saying, I don't want life to just come at me. I'm gonna take control of my life, and I'm gonna take control of the responsibilities that God has given me, and I'm gonna be intentional with, with them because I'm sowing something. God's not gonna be mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. And so oftentimes, I just want you to hear this, especially for parents, and this is actually most especially true for the yet-to-be parents out there, okay? Hear this. Most of the time, people parent backwards. What, what I see, Lou Priolo, go ask Lou. Lou, he's done, I don't know, 20,000 hours of counseling with parents. So if you don't believe me, go ask Lou. When people really get into trouble with parenting is when they parent backwards. As, as I said a few weeks ago on the one that was just on the video, and I don't know if you can see this, but over time, your authority as a parent goes down. It just is going to, right? If you've got a 40-year-old child, you don't have much authority in their life. We have some, but it's not much. But if you have a four-month-old child, you have a ton of authority in their life, right? You are their source of life. They cannot stay alive without you, Okay. You have a lot of authority. And, you're, and as a child, your authority, and some of you children that are in here hear this, I got good news for you, your authority is going up, right? You're gonna get more and more authority as you get older. older over time, your authority as a parent goes down, your authority as a child goes up. And, and what we said, the goal of a parent, as we said this a few weeks ago, is that, is that the Spirit of God would be so alive in the heart of your children. You know, when they're, when they're little, they need boundaries. They need discipline. They need parents like John Powell that's saying, okay, they need to know this. They need to know this. I'm going to teach them this. I'm going to create these values in their heart around them. And obviously the hope of parenting is that over time, these boundaries would go from being something external to being something internal, right? As we said a few weeks ago, what is freedom? Freedom is when you do what you wanna do, and when what you wanna do is what you ought to do, right? If you just do what you want to do, and what you want to do is not what you ought to do, you're not gonna be free. You're only free when your want to and God's ought to line up with one another. And so the goal of parenting is to create such structure around your child and pray to God that the Holy Spirit of God would come into the life of your child and they would live by the Spirit. But here's the deal. So often parents parent backwards. When their kids are little and they don't have much authority, 
They're not intentional with this. They don't sow these things. And then all of a sudden, the kid starts to get more authority, and the parent's like, oh, man, they're not going the way I want them to go. They're not following the paths that I desire for them. And you know what happens here? A lot of conflict. A lot of conflict. And and this is the kind of conflict that can damage relationships forever. You're sowing something. And again, you yet to be parents, you're sowing something. Even in the habits that you're creating with your boyfriend or girlfriend or fiance, you're sowing something. And you will reap what you sow. So lastly, okay, that's the warning. That's the warning. But lastly, there's an encouragement. There's an encouragement in this passage. I remember when I really first read this passage, uh, verse 9. I mean, I'm sure I'd read it before, but I remember when it really hit me. I was a sophomore probably at Auburn. I was there in the library studying. It was late at night. There was this guy. I knew he was a believer. He, can't, he comes by the little desk I'm studying in, and he drops off a little note. It just said Galatians 6, 9, and then he walked away. And I read it because I had my Bible there, and it said, don't grow weary in doing good, for in due time you'll reap a reward if you don't give up. And that was a good encouragement to me late that night when I was studying. (laughs) Don't grow weary in studying. You'll reap a reward for that. But it's also a great encouragement for parents. Parenting (laughs) is a wearying task. But this is an encouragement. Don't grow weary in it. There's a reward on the other side of it. There's a reward on the other side. There's a joy on the other side. There is a harvest coming. There is an incredible harvest coming if you are faithful with these things. And so I want to, as we close, I want to just kind of give you five things that I don't want you to get weary in. Five exhortations. And this is really for the whole church, but maybe particularly for parents. Number one, don't grow weary in being involved in a local church. Don't grow weary in your involvement in the local church. Don't get weary in this. You know, I I know it can be hard. There's a lot of people asking you to do a lot of different things, but, but make this community, make these people, make bearing these burdens of one another a priority. Don't get weary in this. And I just want to say to you parents, what kind of vision are you giving your children of what the local church is? Is this just a product that you get? Are you, are you just a customer or are you a part of a body? What do your children see and how you approach the local church? Are you, are you just getting something out of it? Or are you being a part of the community? You know, we, we had this uh, discussion this week. We were talking about members meetings do children come to members meetings? And our policy has always been, if they're professing Christ, they're baptized, they're a member of the church, they come to members meetings. And I want to encourage your parents to bring them. They, they need to see, okay, the church needs elders, the church needs deacons, the church needs people to lead and shepherd us. Okay, the church has resources that it's called to manage. It's, how do we do that? And again, you may think, man, my kids are going to be really bored. They probably will be bored. But don't grow weary in your kid's boredom, Right? Some of the things that your kids do that are boring, it's, it's actually the best seed that you could sow to them. Don't grow weary in your involvement in the local church with your children. And, and it goes, of course, beyond just 
members meetings? Do they see you serving? Are you pushing them to, to serve? Are you pushing them toward evangelism? That's actually one of the things that John mentioned, that he wanted his child to be able to do with him by age four, <laughs> evangelism. I don't know what kind of presentation of the gospel my four-year-old Rainer would be able to give, but, but I love that he's thinking, this is one of my responsibilities, that I gotta, I gotta, I've got to teach the gospel to my child in such a way that they can teach it to others. Don't grow weary in meaningful involvement in the local church. Second thing, don't grow weary in disciplining your children toward something and not just away from something. Now, you need to discipline your children away from something, okay? Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far away from him, right? And if you're a parent, you know folly is bound up in the heart of your children. You didn't put it there, it's there. They need correction, they need discipline. They need to be pushed away from certain things. But are you just doing that? Are you just disciplining them away from stuff or are you disciplining them toward something? What are you disciplining your children toward? What are you pushing your children toward? And don't grow weary in this. This can be an incredibly wearisome task, but don't grow weary in it. When I got to college is when I really started growing in my faith, really started loving the Bible, really started reading theology, really started understanding Christianity. And you know what? I realized when I, when I really started growing in my faith, I knew so much of the Bible. I was like, how do I know all of this? How do I know the Bible so well? And you know why I did? It was because every morning at breakfast, when I was a kid, my dad would sit there with me and my sister as we were eating breakfast and just read the Bible to us. That can be a wearisome task. There was a lot of mornings where I didn't listen. I wasn't really listening, but I guess I was kind of listening. Because as I went on in life, I realized, man, I know this. He he was faithful to to spread the seed. He He was faithful to sow that into my heart. And it's changed me forever. Don't grow weary in that. Don't grow weary in in disciplining your children toward something good. Two other things real quick. Don't grow weary in praying for and with your children. As a parent, this is a wearisome task, right? We pray together as a family, but this is not easy, right? I mean, in Mariana, it's easy. I have an eight-year-old girl. She'll kneel at the bed. She prays these beautiful prayers. But John Kellison Rayner, literally the entire time we're praying are like hitting each other as our heads are bowed, right? They're just seeing, okay, this is an opportunity to get punch in to my brother. That's, that's how I think John Ellis primarily understands prayer time. Okay. But you know what? We're going to keep doing it. Because I want them to see in me and I want them to realize we need the Lord. And we, need to, we, we need him to hear our, as we need to hear his voice. Don't grow weary in praying for and with your children. Don't grow weary in serving others with your children. You know, I wanna really encourage you, the backpack thing. If you're a parent, anytime you have an opportunity to go buy something cool for some other child with your child, you need to do that, right? They need to realize that the world is not centered around them that everything is not about them, probably for most of them represented in this room, they're actually very privileged. 
Don't grow weary in serving others. And even if you're serving people that are also privileged, don't grow weary in serving others with your children. And then the last thing, and this is kind of for everybody, don't grow weary for everyone here. Parent, yet to be parent, kind of past the main parenting stage. Don't grow weary in serving the parents and children of our church. We're called to bear one another's burdens. This is a huge barre. <laughs> Raising up our child is a huge weight that we can't carry alone. Being discipled is a weight that our children need a lot of people around them, as I had when I was a kid. They, they need a family of faith around them. Don't grow weary in this. I want to give you, uh, I want to tell you a little story. Rachel Knights, some of y'all know Rachel, young woman in our church, lovely, smart, incredible gal, has a great boyfriend. She's got a lot going for her. You know, she's, God has blessed her. But you know what? You know what thing she started? She got a bunch of her friends together, and she just offers babysitting for church members for free. Okay? And some of y'all that are visiting will be like, I need to join the church. We got perks. No, but anyway. No, she just does this. Why? Well, one of the reasons she does it is she wants to uh, serve parents. But you know another reason she does it? She wants to disciple children. And what an opportunity for discipleship than when you're babysitting a child. That's awesome. What is that? You know what that is? You know what that is? That's the law of Christ. That's the law of Christ. Why is the law of Christ an other-bearing law? Well, because that's who Jesus is. That's what Jesus has done for us. In our moments of greatest need, when we had nothing to give, he ran in, gave himself, took on our greatest burden, the burden of our sin before God, and died in our place. And if you know him, if you really know him, this is what will be true of us. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I, I ask that, that this word, your word, would land fully and deeply and powerfully on our hearts today and that you would shape us by it, that these words would be on our hearts. They would be true of us. And that we'd be faithful to pass them along to the next generation. And Father, I also pray that we would be the kind of covenant community that we desire to be. A community of believers bearing with one another in love as Christ bears with us. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, as we close today, uh, I want to give you, I want to give us a, a reminder of everything we talked about. Uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and, and he broke it before his disciples. And he said to them, this is my body. It's been broken for you. He also took a cup before them and he said, this is my blood. It's been spilled out for you. He was telling them about burden bearing. He was telling them that he was willing to bear their burden, the burden of their sin on the cross. And so when we take this communion as believers, we remind ourselves that Christ 
has bared our burden, but we also remind ourselves that we are called to bear one another's burdens. It's one of the reasons we call it communion. It's not just communing with God, remembering the gospel, it's also communing with one another. There, there are a few more intimate moments than, than this, where we as believers, people that are trusting in the burden-bearing love of Jesus, remember that together. And in this moment, we can look at one another, not as successful business people, or as really good students, really well-educated people, or as people who have well-behaved children. No, we don't look at each other with any of that. We look at each other as people who are needy of a savior, but people who have a savior, people who have received God's grace fully and generously because of the cross of Jesus. So I invite you, if you're a believer here, if you, if you profess Jesus as Lord and Savior, then I invite you to join us in this meal. If you're not a believer, if you have not trusted in Christ, I know we've already started passing it out. Maybe you accidentally took uh, some of the elements. Just, just hold on to them. Don't take this meal. We see this with a, a great deal of severity and sacredness. And the Bible actually says, if we do this in an unworthy way, if we do this not as a believer, not as someone who has full faith in Jesus, we actually eat and drink judgment on ourselves. We don't want that to be true of you today. But if you are in Christ, if you're, if you're chasing after, if you're trusting Jesus for your life, for your salvation, then I invite you to take these elements, hold on to them, and we'll take them corporately here in a few moments after we sing.